The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. Welcome back to my Bible study podcast. I'm Brian, and today we're continuing a new series called Worldly Hevel, Joy in Christ, a concurrent study of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament and the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Last episode was a brief introduction to the new series and the format that will follow. It served to help answer the why behind this study, but now we'll be starting the chapter readings and some of the additional background on the authors. I highly recommend checking out that first episode before diving too far into the rest of this study, but the basic concept is that we will be working through Ecclesiastes on Mondays and Philippians on Thursdays. I think that as we work through the series, we're going to find that both of these books talk about identity and what we might seek to find our identity in. And both books end up pointing toward God, calling us to live our lives on this world in a manner worthy of the gospel, but not to find our identity in the things of this world, but rather to lean into Jesus as our Savior and the only source of true, lasting joy. Today's a Monday, so we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be super ambitious today. Our aim is to finish Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse number 1. That's it. One verse for today as we start to dip our toe in the waters of this oftentimes overlooked book. I pray that this episode will provide a good foundation for reading through the book. Help us to be less intimidated by some of the subjects in this book and to help point us toward the characteristics of God that we find throughout the book. So we'll start in Ecclesiastes. If you're unfamiliar with this book or where it is in the Bible, it's considered part of the wisdom literature and it's found in the Old Testament. So if you have a paper copy of the Bible in front of you, open it up to about the middle, you should be in the book of Psalms. Flip some pages past Proverbs and then the next book is the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is traditionally attributed to King Solomon. If you've read other parts of the Old Testament, you might remember that after the Israelites settled into the Promised Land, they lived in a united kingdom named Israel, under the banner of three successive kings. King Saul, who was strong and handsome, but not much else. King David, who definitely had some issues, but was also called a man after God's own heart. And then the third and the final real king of the United Kingdom of Israel was David's son Solomon. Solomon was one of the wisest and wealthiest men to walk the planet. His wisdom was granted to him from God, and he utilized it in part to accumulate wealth at really an unparalleled level. We really start to see his lavish lifestyle come out as we read this book. While you and I might plant gardens, Solomon planted forests. While you and I might throw parties that require flu Chick-fil-A platters, Solomon throws parties that require thousands of animals to be prepared. Dude is just on a whole different level. So Ecclesiastes 1.1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Some translations say preacher, some say teacher. The Hebrew word literally just means a collector of sentences. And either one, preacher or teacher is fine here. It says that this preacher or teacher is the son of David and was king in Jerusalem at this time. Again, this kind of underlines Solomon as the speaker here. There's a bit of debate about who the author is for sure, 
But for this study's purposes, we're taking the book for what it says, that the author was a son of David, king in Jerusalem, and that this wise, wealthy king was King Solomon. I could get into some really nerdy reasons why I take that approach over others, but that's not really the point of this series. So for now, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. King Solomon, wise, wealthy king. Ecclesiastes is a book that covers some topics that we might not hear discussed in church a lot. I've heard one commentator refer to it as the black sheep of the Bible, because it's not a book that usually gets preached through in totality. It tends to cover some heavier, less warm, and less fluffy topics when it talks about a life lived under the sun. Words like vanity, futility, toil, evil, injustice, unfairness, shadows, perversions, distortions, the passing of time, and death will all come up during this study. And let's be honest for a minute. All of these topics are realities that we're met with in this life under the sun. Ecclesiastes makes statements and tackles topics that a lot of the quote-unquote churchy or religious-only folks might observe in the real world, but they might not like to acknowledge out loud. Philip Ryken says that the writer asks the tough intellectual and practical questions that people always have, and he is not satisfied with the easy answers he's been given I know that all of these things sound bleak, but the overall point of the book is not about a bleakness to life that leads to the complete meaninglessness of life. No, the point of the book is to provide us with wisdom, to give us a glance of the realities of life that we see, to push us closer to God, to push us closer to a fear of God that creates obedience, and to help us adjust the areas of our life where we might try to seek to find our identity that aren't good places, that are fleeting places, places that aren't as solid and as foundational as finding our identity in Christ. Zach Eswine, who's one of the other authors that I'm going to keep coming back to during this study, he notes that Ecclesiastes confronts us with our own ills in order that by knowing ourselves as we are, we might come to know God as he is. Another author that I'll probably be quoting throughout this study is William Barrick. Barrick points out that while that Hebrew word for vanity or meaninglessness, hevel, might appear 38 times in the book, some words that actually appear more are words that we would consider much less bleak. For instance, he points out that good appears 52 times, and wisdom or wise also occurs 52 times. God as a title appears 40 times, and the word for heart appears 40 times. These are not words that we would associate with depressing topics. It's exactly the opposite. They are words that help us to know that Ecclesiastes is in fact a theological book full of statements about who God is, statements about his character. Some of the topics that Barak highlights as outlining the doctrine of God in Ecclesiastes are God's sovereign control over man. God's providential grace, God's eternality, God's creatorship, God's perfection, God's justice and holiness, God's home, God's omnipresence, God's omnipotence, God's preservation of his saints, that God requires reverential fear from his people, that God requires obedience before sacrifice 
and the idea of God's word. So looking at all that, fear, obedience, worship, God's character, our disobedience, and our tendency to run from God toward worldly things, an outline like this makes Ecclesiastes appear to cover the same topics as a book like, say, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy isn't considered a doom and gloom book, but rather a book that promotes loving God, loving your neighbor, fearing God, and living a life of obedience and faith. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Ecclesiastes 1.1. So don't miss the parallels. Solomon, a teacher or preacher, a son of David, from whose line the promised Messiah would come. Solomon, who at times got sucked into living a very worldly-centered life, and who was this temporary king who reigned in Jerusalem, who didn't reign forever, and who about five minutes after he kicked the bucket, the United Kingdom fell apart. Now contrast this against who the book is trying to point us towards instead of a worldly identity. Jesus, who is also referred to in the Bible at times as the teacher, who is the Messiah of the line of David and Solomon, the fulfillment of that promise to David. He lived a completely heavenly-centered life. He is the eternal king. He was killed, but death could not hold him, so after three days he was resurrected and sits on a throne in heaven until he returns one day to reign eternally on the throne in the new Jerusalem. He was, is king of a kingdom that will never falter. S.Y. notes that ultimately the preacher in Ecclesiastes wants to point out what is vain in order for us to discover what is not. Look, Ecclesiastes has us to look toward Jesus as better than anything under the sun. The spotlight for this episode's really probably going to be identity. As we work through the books of Ecclesiastes and Philippians, we're going to keep coming back to this as the spotlight. God has provided us with things under the sun to enjoy in this life, but those things should never become our identity. The first reflection question in this mini-series, it then naturally becomes, what areas in your life might you currently be looking toward to find identity in? It might be worth praying through this question now, because I promise you that as we work through the book of Ecclesiastes, God, through the preacher, is going to say something that hits us all close to home. But that's good. This book is going to ask the question, where is our identity found? But it is also going to ask the questions, so what is the point of everything that we do in this life? And then, why does God deserve to be the focus of our identity, the recipient of our worship, and the source of our joy and wisdom? I look forward to unboxing all of these topics over the coming weeks. All the Bible verses are from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. When it comes to resources on Ecclesiastes, there are really three books that I like and will be using more than any others on these Monday episodes. The first is Why Everything Matters, The Gospel in Ecclesiastes by Philip Ryken. The second is Recovering Eden, The Gospel According to Ecclesiastes by Zach Eswine. The third is Ecclesiastes, The Philippians of the Old Testament by William Barrick. 
There are other commentaries and study Bibles that I have beside me right now, but I'm going to tell you now that these three that I just listed, they're the ones that I found the most helpful. And I think I quoted each of them at least once just in this short little episode today. I hope that this episode helped to ease us into the book of Ecclesiastes. Thursday, we're going to try to ease into the book of Philippians. The goal is to cover Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Until next time, though, I love y'all.